Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here at Grace Crossing Church this morning. We really consider it an honor that you have selected this church to be a place to help form and shape uh, your spiritual life and also help you cultivate the kind of faith that Jesus came for. Now, we obviously had Easter last weekend. What a wonderful day it was. Um, But Easter actually is not a one-day thing, as Marlon already alluded to. Easter actually begins, the Easter season begins on Resurrection Sunday, and it actually goes all the way through the day of Pentecost. So for 50 days, we're in a season right now, which is called Easter Tide or the Easter season. And I think that's really important for us to understand because we can so easily relegate these big milestones like the resurrection of Jesus to a one day or a one moment experience, but it's so much more than that. And uh, I pray that your Easter day was a good day. I pray it was filled with a lot of good memories, good family time, and perhaps for some of you, the first time even being with people during this pandemic. Well, my Easter and my week has been extraordinarily eventful. (laughs) Um, So this past week, uh, we welcomed to our family not just one grandchild, but two grandchildren. Um, big deal. Yeah, big deal. Um, so some of you are already aware of this, that because social media has told you, and so now it's official, that on Monday, um, Aiden Joe Mueller was born in the afternoon at Miami Valley Hospital. Um, just hours later, uh, within 24 hours, we actually were able to officially, they were able to officially adopt Emma Uh, into the family. They went before a judge from the hospital room by way of Zoom. It was an exciting day, and Emma became a Mueller. So, very eventful week for the Dukemans, okay? So, here's a picture of uh, me holding in the hospital right after the adoption became final. There's little Aiden Joel. Um, And Aiden, by the way, it's kind of cool. My son's middle name, we named him Alan Joel, for his middle names. And so that name is being carried on with Aiden. That's Aiden Joel. And then there's little now Emma Lynn Mueller. Wow, it's been a busy week. (laughs) It's been a busy week, but what a fun week. Aiden is actually here this morning, and I didn't know that they were going to be here, but we're not going to clap too loud because I think he's sleeping, or at least he was. But I wish I could hold him and and actually exercise a papa prerogative this morning and hold him up like Simba, you know? (laughs) But he's here, and uh, so if you get a chance uh, from a distance, uh, say hi to the little guy this morning. Well, this morning, as we come to a brand new series, I just want to ask you a question right here at the beginning of our series. How's your faith been holding up? How's your faith been holding up amidst the kind of year that we have had? And it isn't over yet. How's your faith been holding up in moments of difficulty, uncertainty, chaos, Pandemic, political unrest, racial unrest. How has your faith held up in a perhaps one of the most volatile political seasons that certainly I remember in my lifetime that we went through? How's your faith 
been holding up. I said several things uh, throughout this pandemic that I want to repeat this morning in order to frame this new series that we're launching today. I said that I sensed that what would happen in this pandemic is that we would go as a country through a low-level PTSD experience. So in the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, I sense this anxiety that is stirring in a lot of people. I've seen it in people who are people of faith. I remember sensing early on that we were going to be challenged in our trust, our trust of God, our trust of one another as we journeyed through this year. I also remember sensing and making the statement at one point that we're going to have to relearn how to be together again as a community in a non-anxious way. And we're still learning how to do that, aren't we? How can we be with people, close with people, when we need to maintain some physical distance? And I remember sensing there was going to be loss, lots of loss, lots of grief. I've had much of my own in this pandemic, things that I've grieved. Grace Crossing Church isn't what it was in the same way as it was before we entered into this pandemic. It's changing, it's evolving, it's growing, and that's not all bad. It's very good in many ways. But the reality is what we are today is changing. And, and I knew that that would create some grief and some sadness and some loss in my own heart. And so you perhaps have had your own that you've been experiencing and things that you've been grieving and bringing before God. And I do encourage you to share those things with God because God wants to enter into those with you. And so as we come to this brand new series, Unshakable, what, what we want to do is we want to talk about something that is immovable, that God has given to each and every one of us. I remember sensing early on, and God spoke to me in a scripture passage out of Hebrews chapter 12, that everything in our lives are going to be shaken, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And then there was this one verse that stood out to me, and I want to use it as our catalyst for our series. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 28. It says this, since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender filled with all. I'm going to read it one more time. But then I want to make a few comments. Since we are receiving our rights, the word that's used here actually appears throughout Greek literature to speak of the rights of an heir to a throne. Think about what's being promised us in this verse. That Jesus, who actually vacated his place for a time at the right hand of God's throne to come to this earth, is now opening a door and inviting all of us into it with him. We are given the rights to actually this unshakable kingdom that nothing that happens in our world can ever shake or change. And so what should our response be? Let's relook at this verse. This should be our response. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. We should be extremely thankful. How's your gratitude this morning? You have an unshakable kingdom. How's your gratitude? We should offer God the purest worship. How is your worship been throughout this pandemic? 
Has your heart been filled with worship and praise to God, even when things seem to be spinning out of control? Worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender. God does not want a piece of us. God wants all of us. How surrendered are we? And that we be filled with all. See, the unshakable kingdom is what gives us a sense of centering and relaxation in God when everything in our world seemingly is falling apart. It is the fact that we have this tremendous unshakable kingdom that actually we now have what God has provided for us through Christ and unshakable faith to believe in that unshakable kingdom. So to segue from last weekend's talk at Easter, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because this unshakable kingdom is promised to all who believe this. Now, what I want to do this morning in this opening talk of this eight-week series, Unshakable, is I want to actually lay a groundwork and a framework. I want to give us a base and a foundation upon which we'll build our coming weeks. My desire is that by the end of this morning and the end of this series, we're going to not only understand a little bit more about what faith is, but also how faith functions, how it operates, and why it matters so much in our lives. Let's begin with just a very basic definition of faith. Can we do that? Faith, in its simplest terms, faith is trust. In its simplest terms, faith is trust. It's trust in someone, it's trust in something. Christian faith is trust in God, trust in Christ. And there's a difference. It's not just an empty faith, it is a faith in this God who is unshakable, who has a kingdom that is unshakable. So Christian faith is a trust in God. In fact, there's a great little acrostic that you can use to remember faith. It's very simple. F-A-I-T-H, faith. And here it is. Forsaking all, I trust him. That's faith. F-A-I-T-H, faith. Faith is forsaking all, I trust him. And so as we expound on this idea of faith this morning, let me take you to a verse of scripture that really, I think, explains it so clearly that makes no doubt about it what faith is and how it operates. Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the Faith Hall of Fame, gives us an opening verse to the chapter that frames faith. Here it is. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I have read that verse hundreds of times in my life. I've even preached on it a time or two. But I don't think I've ever seen the word that jumped out at me and leaped off the printed text into my heart just a few weeks ago. It's a very significant word that appears right at the beginning of the verse. It is the word now. Faith is not about the then and there. 
Faith is about the here and now. Faith is not a a Sunday to Sunday experience. Faith is a moment by moment by moment experience that is in the now. I don't know about you, but I'm going through some things in my life at the present where I need a faith that is a now faith. I need a faith that is a present faith. I need a faith that is for this moment, for this experience. And friends, you might be here joining us this morning in person or by way of our broadcast. You may too need a now faith right now in your life. And I want you to know it's available to you. This is not something that's just about tomorrow or next week or next year. It is about the here and the now. We need a now faith. Faith is secondly confidence, it says. It's confidence. Now, I rarely reference the King James Version Bible, but I appreciate in a deep way the way the King James translates the word confidence. I think it's spot on. It actually, in the King James says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The reason I like that particular word is because the word substance means it's based in reality. Faith is not denying reality. Faith is not ignoring what is. Faith is bringing and inviting God into your current reality. And I would suggest to us this morning that our reality plus God equals hope in the midst of our current reality. In fact, think of of hope as the substance that fuels our faith. If, If we do not have hope, then what do we place our faith in? If our hope is not in God, if our hope is not in the fact that God is in our reality, in our now, what do we feel? We feel hopeless. Hope is given to us by God as a gift to fuel the faith that we have. And then, so let me ask you this morning, do you know what it is in your life you're hoping for? Do you know some people don't even know what they hope for? Now, how do you put your faith in something if you don't even know what it is you're hoping for? Can you name this morning something in your life that you're hoping for, that you're dreaming for, that you're believing God for? Can you name just one thing that you would say, this is my hope today in my life right now for what I'm dealing with. I have a hope for this. I would encourage you to name that in the presence of God. Because it is when we identify the source of our hope that we all of a sudden can get the assurance, the confidence that God promises to us. So faith is now. Faith is substantive. Faith is hopefulness. And faith is also, it says, assurance. It is assurance for what we do not See, you know, the world always says that seeing is believing. That's not God's equation. God's equation is believing is seeing. That when we believe, when we trust him, 
that we can have assurance that God will follow through on his promises to us. You know what it was that broke relationship between God and the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve? Genesis chapter three tells us. It actually was not an act of disobedience that broke relationship. It was a lack of trust in God's word that broke relationship. The fact that they would not believe that God meant what God said, that God's word could be stood upon, that God's word could be trusted. And so this morning, what I want to encourage us with is this, that faith is, is operating in the here and now in our lives to bring us a substantive hope that is filled with an assurance that God will follow through on his promises and on his best offer to us, regardless of what that is. Now, it's one thing to know what faith is. It's another thing to understand how faith functions and why it matters so much in our Christian walk. I mean, there's a few things you should know about faith that are really important. You should know that just as every person's relationship with God is unique, so equally every person's faith experience is unique. There's no such thing as cookie cutter faith. There's no such thing as cookie cutter trust. Why? Because we're all uniquely created in God. We all have unique circumstances that, that we're dealing with in life. And so our faith is going to be lived out a little uniquely for each and every one of us. You should also know that faith is a spiritual muscle that must be exercised. In fact, let me say, as a muscle, faith can be stretched. Faith can be strengthened. Faith can be pulled. Faith can be irritated. Faith can become inflamed. And faith can even atrophy if it doesn't get used. It's a muscle intended to be exercised. And finally, you should know that faith is a journey. It is a lifelong journey. It is a pilgrimage. It's not a destination. It's a pilgrimage that God invites us into to walk with him, not by sight, the Bible says in Hebrews, but by faith. That's what we walk by. We walk by faith in the Christian life. And as a journey, faith has its starts and stops. It has its peaks and valleys. Faith has its mundane moments and it has its miraculous moments. That's the way faith is designed. It is living, it's breathing, it's active. And listen, friends, here's the big idea for this series. Your faith is built for crisis. Your faith is built for pandemics. Your faith is built for economic downturns. Your, your faith is built for unrest, racial unrest, political unrest. Your faith is built for people who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for them. Your faith is built for that. And that's how God built our faith, to be unshakable. And when we get untethered from God in our lives, when we allow the circumstance of life to throw us into chaos, 
We get caught up in all of the things that are sweeping and swirling all around us. What happens deep within us? Our faith begins to become shaken. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 goes on to say this. 11.6, without faith, living within us, it would be impossible to please God. How many of you here, by show of hands, want to please God? Can I see your hand? Those at home? We all do, right? The reality is, if you want to know how to please God, the Bible tells us. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So let's reverse that this morning. With faith, you are guaranteed to please God. When you operate by faith, you are operating in such a way that God finds pleasure in you. God finds joy in you. God, God finds delight when he sees your faith activated and operational. There's a great story and illustration of this that we find that's given to us in Matthew's gospel. And here's the story, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 9. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and I will heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Now notice what he says, just say the word from where you are. And my servant will be healed. I know this because I am a man under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. Now Grace Crossing Church is blessed with a large military family that are a part of this church family. And we are blessed with a number of officers in the United States Air Force and other branches of the military that are actually part of this congregation. We are so thankful for the service of so many men and women here at Grace Crossing Church to our country. And one of the things about those officers is they can identify with that story probably better than any of us can. Because they understand ranking. They understand authority that has been invested into someone. They also understand how to honor authority that is over them. So most officers have authority that they exercise and authority that is exercised over them. This Roman centurion understood the principle. He was a fully functional adult who understood that there are times that I have to surrender and submit to authority. There are times that I'm the person in authority and I got to know which is which and I got to be able to honor both. But here's what he says to Jesus. He says, Jesus, I understand what it's like to steward authority. You have authority. All you need to do is say a word. And my servant's going to be touched. Now, I love Jesus' response to this guy. Here's what it says in verse number 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. 
Now, now what's so remarkable about what Jesus said is he's talking to a Gentile. He's not talking to a Jew. He's talking to a Roman officer in the, in the military. And what he's saying is, of all of the people who know everything about God, of all of the people who, who should know who the Messiah is, of all of those who have, have been richly blessed with a deep heritage of faith, I have never in my life on this earth seen anyone with so much faith as this guy. How would you like to be the only person in biblical history that amazed Jesus? How would you like to be that guy? He's that guy. He's the guy that Jesus made it clear, this guy, his story's gonna get told because he has an incredible faith. Let me ask you the question this morning. Where does a person get that kind of amazing faith? Where, where does this amazing faith come from? This now faith. This now faith that says, God, I, I don't even need to take the time for you to walk with me. Just say the word right now and he'll be healed. That's now faith. I think that kind of faith comes through what I, th I see as three stages that our faith is developed in. I think when we look at faith, faith is developed in three very unique stages that I would suggest can fit over every Christian's life if they look back and connect the dots. And I'm gonna give the three to you and then I wanna unpack them very, very briefly this morning. They are orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. Here's another way to say it. They are location, dislocation, and relocation. Our faith is developed in the stages of, and it begins with an orienting reality that God is real, that God is in my life, that, that I can trust God with my life. In that first stage of faith, believing in God is really pretty simple. God says it, I believe it, that settles it, right? It's pretty simple. You hear something and you take it to heart. And to illustrate these three phases uh, and stages of faith, what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at a scripture from the life of the father of faith, our father of faith, Abraham, who's actually talked about here in Hebrews chapter 11. I think in this stage of location, we are feeling a sense of being so grounded in God that we have almost what I would call a blind trust or a blind faith. If God says do it, we kind of just say okay. We see that in Abraham's life. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number eight, it says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. In this stage of faith, we are striving to squeeze everything out of God and everything out of our life 
as it relates to our faith. We are so grounded in God that we understand and we're beginning to get a sense of our identity and who we are in God. And so Abraham is there. God speaks to him and he says, listen, I don't even have any clue where I'm headed, but God said it, so I'm gonna just go and I'm just gonna trust him. And then we come to what I think is a second stage of faith that I think all of us will go through if we are on the journey to become what God desires us to be. This stage of faith is disorientation or dislocation. It is where we start to recognize that things may not be what we thought they were going to be. In this stage of faith, and the journey from this first phase and stage to the second one is typically marked by some kind of crisis of faith. What emotionality spirituality calls the journey through the wall. It is where you find yourself up against something that doesn't make sense and your faith as you knew it is not giving you all the answers you hoped it would. In this stage of faith, everything gets called into question. In fact, you have a lot more questions than you do answers. Often your convictions, those things that you held on so tightly to, are thrown into question. Many people at this stage lose their faith or some lose their mind. They think, what is going on in my life? I'm falling apart. Now, that crisis could be an unexpected divorce. That, that crisis could be an emotional meltdown of sorts that you have in your life. Something happens that triggers a deep emotional experience. Maybe unearths things in you that you didn't even realize were there. Could be the sudden loss of a child. It could be the fact that you find yourself in a financial difficulty that you never expected to find yourself in. Maybe you lose your job a job that you had expected to have all of your life and retire from. And all of a sudden, the company downsizes and your job is cut. What happens in those moments is we are thrown into a place where many times we lose faith in faith. Doubts begin to arise, disbelief. If God loved me, why would this be happening to me? If God cared, why would I be going through this? And we begin to wonder, we begin to feel a sense of disorientation. Now, for the disciples, it was the crucifixion. When Jesus Christ was crucified, they became disoriented and they became dislocated from God. In that moment, they wondered. They didn't know who they were. They began to what? Question everything Jesus had told them and taught them. They're feeling disoriented. For Abraham... He actually finds himself in a place that wasn't what he maybe expected. Here's what it says, verses 9 and 10 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land. Now notice it was before he realized it was the promised land. He made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. For he was looking to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. 
He has his eye on something that has not yet been revealed, has not yet come to pass, but he's trusting God for it. And yet he's in this place that God has led him to that he thought was going to, in the very moment he arrived, to be this wonderful gift from God. And what he found was he found a place where he felt like more like a stranger. He was like a foreigner. He didn't feel like he belonged. Perhaps in that moment of life for all of us, we begin to question who we are and our identity in Christ. And many times it is that crisis of faith and that doubt that God uses to actually bring us to the third stage. It's actually a great gift to us. Because doubt actually is faith taking itself seriously. Which leads us to the third stage, which is reorientation, or in Abraham's case, a relocation. All of a sudden, he finds himself at a deeper place of faith than what he probably ever imagined he could be at. This journey into this reorientation is actually marked by a willingness to surrender to the will of God regardless of outcomes, regardless of circumstances. Unlike a blind trust or a blind faith that goes, but it's conditional, this faith is so anchored in God that it truly becomes unshakable. Come what may, this faith will stay the course because this faith was built for this precise moment. It's the faith that Jesus had in the garden when he looked at his father and said, take the cup from me, but not my will. That but is very important. It's hard to get it out sometimes, but it matters. Or not my will be done, but your will be done. It's the faith, this reoriented faith is what Abraham had to have. When God calls him to do the unthinkable, verse number 17 of Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, notice that, it was after Abraham was proven. His faith was substantiated. God knew by this point, his faith was unshakable. And after he had tested him, he offers Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. This is the kind of faith that no longer questions God. It's the kind of faith that will be in a lifetime building, friends. I wish I could tell you I was always there in my life. But I am in journey like all of you, to move to a deeper level of faith and a deeper level of trust in God in my life. Because at the outcome of all of this, it actually produces in us a life of love where we are living the highest life that God could ever have desired for us. 
No longer are we in the world for God. We are now in God for the world. That's the change of this faith. When you start at that first level of faith, when you feel grounded in God, you feel like you're in the world for God. But when you come to this final stage of faith, you are in God for the world. Do with me what you will, God. Have your way in me, God. Let love flow through me, God, to other people so that I can be in the world for, the, for their sake and for your sake, God. This life of love that God desires for all of us, you can tell you've reached it when you no longer need to be loved in return. When love no longer needs to be thanked or appreciated. When you do what Jesus did for you, gave his life while we were still sinners. That's the kind of life of love God calls us to. As we close this morning, let me share with you a a story. Several weeks into our journey with Kelly's diagnosis of cancer, she received a book from a friend of hers at school. This particular teacher was, had her own battle with cancer and she's not a believer. But somebody handed her a book and said, I think this would really help you. It was, it was, it was called 50 Days of Hope. And it was very much written by a Christian author who herself had gone through a battle with cancer. She told Kelly when she gave her the book, she said, when I first was handed this book, I didn't even know if I was gonna read it. But I read the first entry and I was hooked. And she said, I just thought this might be an encouragement to you. So the first resource that Kelly and I received was the 50 days of hope. We read it together every day for 50 days. There were so many entries that spoke to me, but one in particular that has actually kind of come to pass, I think, in our lives, which has been interesting, was the author made a comment and a statement in the entry that you'll be surprised. And what you'll be surprised at is that some people that you never thought would step up for you are stepping up for you. They're advocating for you. I think we've been surprised by that. And one man in particular, who I met about 10 years ago, I probably have talked to him twice since my initial time of meeting him. But when he found out about Kelly, he actually has faithfully texted me at least once a week, but sometimes multiple times each week, just to check in on how he can be praying. It's been so surprising for me. He sent me about two months ago a text And he he prefaced the text by saying, I didn't even know if I should send this to you because he said, sometimes I don't know if it's God or if it's just me, but I felt that I needed to to pass this along to you. And and here's the text that he sent to me that I I wanna read to you today. He said, I saw you hanging from a metal bar. Your feet were a good ways from the ground. Your grip on the bar was strong but tired. Then I saw the ground starting to raise, coming up to your feet. It didn't meet your feet, but it was steadily coming up. I sensed that your grip would remain strong until the ground reached your feet. 
and you were again standing on firm ground. As I try to make sense of all this, I would like to think of the bar as your faith in God. And you never let go. And it kept you safe. When he sent it to me that day, there was something that God knew I needed. I had been needing a word that God was aware of what I was feeling. And it was like when I read that text, it was just, it was, it was a reminder to me that God sees me in the moment. God sees me holding on tightly to him, but letting go of outcomes. God sees me trying to say, I, I want to be faithful to what you've called me to. And perhaps that's just a really good way this morning for us to end this first talk on unshakable by asking you those same questions. How's your grip this morning? How's your grip? Are you holding on firmly to God and to your faith even if you feel like you're not on a firm foundation right now? Is your heart encouraged that God sees you, that God is aware of what you're going through? Do you know that you can trust him? I mean, do you really know that he can be trusted for you? Each one of us have a different reason why that question matters. But this morning, I want you to know the bar is your faith. Hold on to the bar. Hold on tightly to the bar. And don't let go because it is an unshakable faith that gives us the guarantee of an unshakable kingdom that God promises to all who will remain faithful and stand firm to the very end. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.